I push myself, but it's hard to develop that kind of a routine where you stick to it when you're constantly feeling low. So yeah, I mean, I still think it's a work in progress. Talking from my personal experience as a patient, not as a doctor, I saw that when I started taking those oral contraceptive pills, I had so much mood swings, headache, like loss of sleep that I preferred the condition more than my treatment. You just heard Karima and Ananya, two women who are suffering from PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome and they're not alone. One of five women in India may be battling PCOS, a health condition that's turned into a pandemic of sorts. A pandemic no one is talking about. A pandemic that millions of women and girls in India are dealing with. Today, we discuss this hormonal imbalance that leads to irregular periods, weight gain and reduced fertility. But it doesn't end there. Adding to the physical symptoms, mental health strain from anxiety and mood swings make PCOS a health hazard for girls as young as 13 who are starting out their puberty journey. There are many myths social stigmas and a lacuna of research when it comes to PCOS. In this episode, we try and find some answers as we speak to women who are living with PCOS, reputed gynecologist Dr. Sonia Nayak who explains how misunderstood this syndrome is and what can be done to manage it. There's a link between insulin resistance and PCOD. You have to be careful about the kind of diet, the kind of exercise that you are having. So therefore, it's called as a silent pandemic. And our own pharma guru, Vikas Tandekar, who sheds light on the fact that this health catastrophe is as large as diabetes in India. India has a diabetes population of 77 million. Diabetes is spoken about almost very regularly, but PCOS is never known. It's March 2nd. I'm Ratna Bhushan from the Economic Times and you're listening to PCOS, the epidemic that needs immediate attention here on The Morning Brief. At the heart of the problem is the patient, a girl or woman suffering from a condition that was unknown two decades back and brushed aside as just irregular periods. The journey from diagnosis to management is a tough one. I spoke to Garima, a colleague from Economic Times, and Ananya, a doctor and a PCOS patient who joined us from Assam. They shared their journey and battle with this condition. So initially, every like it is said that the first year of periods are usually irregular, right? So that first year of irregular periods kind of continued for me for quite some time. So after two, three years of my menarche, when I was, say, 16, so that's when, even when my period was not getting irregular, that's when I got in touch with a gynec, and that's when I was diagnosed. I think I was 21 when I was diagnosed. And at that point of time, my skin was breaking out. I had persistent acne and during that time, I had a couple of extremely painful menstrual cycles. And I used to be constantly tired 
there was a constant fatigue which led me to go consult a doctor and figure out what's really happening i didn't first go to a gynecologist first time i went to a doctor was a dermatologist for my skin and then she told me to get go see a gynecologist because the tests were all haywire so i had to do a couple of hormonal tests to check the estrogen and testosterone levels in the blood and since they were up the insulin levels were also not in the range i got an ultrasound done and then i found out that there were cysts in my ovaries and that led to the diagnosis of pcos understanding that's lacking somewhere on retrospect if you ask me now i would say that no my gynec did not tell me then that this is going to be long term disease or long term condition and this will come other baggages as well so those things i was not explained then maybe because i was young they did not feel the need to explain of the diagnosis or treatment per se but yeah the communication did lack i'll tell you what when i got diagnosed pcod was still prevalent in a lot of women but that was still a relatively newer concept for gynecologists in small towns because when i went to my gynec she told me that she was also not very old she was young only she said when she did her post graduation pcod as a topic was just coming into the textbooks as a recent advance talking from my personal experience as a patient not as a doctor i saw that when i started taking those oral contraceptive pills i had so much mood swings headache like loss of sleep that i preferred the condition more than my treatment well i haven't overcome the anxiety because it's just i have to deal with similar symptoms again every month or sometimes they're prolonged so it's half a month but yeah i i am learning how to manage by having a routine in my day by getting more sleep as much as sleep as i can by also trying to work out that helps but not entirely like i'm still feeling anxious there's a constant fatigue that's there but i push myself but it's hard to develop that kind of a routine where you stick to it when you're constantly feeling low so yeah i mean i still think it's a work in progress and these stories are the same for many around the country my colleague vikas tandekar who recently highlighted this epidemic in his story shares with us what made him pay attention to the health catastrophe that no one else is talking about by way of uh, just discussions we found that there are many women who we knew had this problem and we started trying to find out exactly what's the prevalence according to the who data it's about 115 million worldwide but there is a study which was done by metropolis uh, which said uh, that out of a sample of 27000 plus women they found it to be an alarming proportion of 1 is to 5 so for every woman of uh, childbearing age in the menstruating capacity they had uh, one who had complaints about pcos just to back up the envelope calculation taking from census data of 2011 we found that it could be as massive as 50 to 60 million women just for a perspective india has a diabetes population of uh, 77 million so that's the kind of prevalence we have diabetes is uh, spoken about almost very regularly but uh, pcos is 
never known. That's really disturbing, uh, Vikas. And like you pointed out, diabetes is something which we all acknowledge and, you know, just spoken about this research medication, but PCOS is not. And I was reading your story where you say the condition is, and I quote you, a largely overlooked disorder. Why is this so? So basically, this is very clearly an awareness issue. For most people, it's seen as if there is excessive bleeding during periods, it's probably one-off issue and it's never brought up. It so happens that only when some of the symptoms come up, like fatigue or, you know, constant tiredness, facial hair, you know, these are the things that are the primary symptoms that get people going. And then they start talking about if there is something wrong and they should actually go and check with the general physician or the gynecologists. Otherwise, uh, this is mostly never discussed. So obviously, uh, the amount of sharing of information is very less, and that could be the primary reason. So the number of unreported cases will be much, much more bigger than what we even know. Right. So which brings me to my next question, Vikas. You said that, you know, patients are not reporting, it's underreported. But it's also a low priority among medical researchers, at least that seems to be the case. So what is preventing the researcher fraternity from really escalating this issue and delving deep into it? Yeah, that's an important question. See, there are multifactorial issues here. This is seen as a syndrome, which is a kind of a combination of genetics, of lifestyle issues and then environment also has a role to play. There is a clearly a hormonal disbalance. So diet, genetics, lifestyle. So all of it actually complicates the way of finding an effective uh, drug. So that probably could be the reason. So it's a combination of many factors. And unfortunately, from whatever we could gather from specialists, it's not been very clear of what exactly causes it. So that's a very unfortunate part of uh, not being able to recognize exactly where the problem is coming from. So what people do is they will give some kind of a hormone therapy or uh, insulin, things that are kind of treats the symptoms, but not the root cause. But there's no approved medication for PCOS by even the US FDA. Is that correct? Absolutely right. There is a pipeline of compounds that is being developed by large companies, also including a lot of smaller companies. So the large companies which I saw are AbbVie or Bayer. So there are companies which have specialization in women's health, but clearly they haven't been able to strike single drug that would treat the condition of PCOS. So what is the pharmaceutical fraternity in India saying about this? Because, you know, the causes of the condition aren't known yet. So I'd like your views on this, Vikas. Absolutely apt question. We have a generic industry, right? So we tend to go with what actually comes to us from the US or European studies. It's a classical way of how the doctor recommends in the US or in Europe. So that kind of makes it a little fuzzy because, you know, we are all having extremely different patterns in India as compared to US. 
So the trial results that probably will come from there will have a little bit of a bias for the U.S. problem. And so it may not be able to uh, give the right solutions, even if there is one. So since the prevalence itself is so big, it would be necessary to have Indian study. So that is where we start. So as they, you know, in the medical term, they call it etiology study. In short, there is no research that I'm aware of is being done by any pharmaceutical company in India. There doesn't seem to be much, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you know, there's no dedicated funding and mass campaigns seem to be missing on the issue of PCOS. Is this true? I mean, and if no, why? Why is it missing? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, I think in September, they have a PCOS Awareness Day. But, uh, you know, so that's a completely very India kind of a problem where a lot of important and urgent issues in healthcare have not been addressed well. And PCOS is very much one of those. So hopefully there will be something more done because now at least uh, from the awareness point of view, doctors are kind of taking efforts in addressing this question Earlier, in fact, I had known that a lot of people actually, after we wrote the story, a lot of messages came that said that, you know, they have been just been seen and even without doing the tests like what is needed to diagnose PCOS like ultrasound or having a hormone profile tests done, they would just see the patient and say, this is a case of PCOS. So that kind of a random testing and random judging makes it even more complicated. And these are the things that need to be absolutely addressed. You know, the awareness that we saw in during the pandemic, I think those kind of things can be replicated for issues which have not been addressed properly uh, will really go a long way. So Vikas, there's an urgent pressing need for government intervention in this, right? As you rightly pointed out, India was leading in vaccinations. So why can't PCOS be taken up with the same urgency? Is that what it is? This is something that has really caused uh, women to have uh, major mental health issues. And then on really finding these things, uh, it was very important to report it. And when we actually started digging data, it threw some real startling numbers and also not having a clear solution. I mean, like, for example, there is no clear treatment guideline. So you treat patients like off-label drugs. There is no way in which one will follow a certain regimen. So then what happens is people also go for alternate therapies in the name of Ayurveda. I mean, it's all kind of fooling uh, gullible patients and the awareness is so low we don't even know whether people actually go out and say that you know they have this kind of a problem of excessive bleeding or facial hair or even hair loss these things are normally as you rightly said upfront about keeping it absolutely hushed up lack of awareness no treatment guidelines and a scope of social stigma makes pcos a recipe for medical disaster so what can women or girls really do? Reputed gynecologist Dr. Sonia Nai clears the air on a lot of confusion. When the patients hear that they have a polycystic ovary syndrome or a polycystic ovary disease, they think they have many cysts in the ovary. 
So first thing, we have to convince them, see, you don't have many cysts in the ovaries. And polycystic ovary just means many eggs in the ovaries, many follicles in the ovaries. So in a way, it's like having too much is bad, having too less is bad. It's that kind of a situation. So PCOS, when you have many number of follicles, it does cause some hormonal imbalances in the beginning years when you're younger. But as you grow older, suppose you're delaying your pregnancy, then it's beneficial because you still have a good number of eggs even at 35 to 40 years. Okay. So what are the earliest symptoms, the earliest symptoms that girls or women should watch out for? See, the first thing is what we have to realize is, I mean, it's just not the symptoms, but your family history also. If you're aware of your family history and there's a family history of diabetes, that means you have one risk factor for a PCOS or for developing early diabetes in your life. So if you have a family history of diabetes, that means you can possibly develop insulin resistance. So usually if you start observing your children once they attain puberty, if you see that there's a little faster weight gain that is happening, then that should actually trigger in your mind that you have to become careful about counseling that particular child. Now, rest of the symptoms will develop a little later. For instance, acne. Okay, if their girl is attaining puberty, you'll always assume that it's because of the puberty and you cannot act upon it. Then if she has facial hair, then this is something which again develops a little later and not very soon into the evolution of the PCOS. It, that also develops a little later. Now, irregular and delayed periods, that's again one symptom. So again, when the girl attains puberty, her periods anyways are irregular. They are anyways delayed, can be delayed possibly. So again, you can't judge by that symptom. So you can't judge a girl that she's developing PCOD because she has acne, she has irregular periods. Because she's attained puberty, the symptoms will be there for three to five years and you can't actually make a diagnosis of PCOD. And PCOD diagnosis cannot be made just by ultrasound. Most of the girls will come to us saying that I had my ultrasound done for various whatever reason and it shows a polycystic ovary disease and therefore I've come to you. So if she doesn't have any symptoms and ovaries are polycystic on the ultrasound, I'll be happy. That means she has a good ovarian reserve. So therefore, obesity or a little higher BMI or a little increase in the weight gain and then later on, after the puberty sets in properly, three to five years of the puberty, delayed periods persisting, acne persisting, facial hair developing. These are the symptoms which tell you that, okay, this girl is possibly going towards PCOD. You know, it's being called a silent pandemic. So how much of it yeah. is, is a growing concern among your patients? Are they getting younger and are they only from urban affluent families? See, are the PCOS patients getting younger? No. The diagnosis is being made at a younger age group, just seeing the girls going through these changes. Now, they, are they from the affluent families? Yes. Because most of the diabetes, most of the insulin resistance, most of the obesity, they are seen actually in the urban affluent families. And therefore, PCOD is a problem of more of the urban affluent families. Because again, the activities are restricted. So you said about the silent pandemic. India is now becoming the capital of gestational diabetes. 
we have the maximum number of cases of gestational diabetes. And that means even the diabetes, we are at a very, very high number in the world. So because we have a lot of diabetic patients in the country, so therefore insulin resistance is very common. The kind of diets, the kind of junk food exposure, the kind of physical activity relatively decreasing, these are additional things which are actually making a person more prone to diabetes or more at risk of insulin resistance and therefore PCOD. There's a link between insulin resistance and PCOD. So therefore, you have to be careful about the kind of diet, the kind of exercise that you are having. So therefore, it's called as a silent pandemic. Right. Some very important information there, doctor. I want to ask you, um, you know, what is the increase in number of patients that you are seeing, say, in the last few years for these symptoms? So it's almost, I would say, like 30 to 35 percent that we have seen is the percentage of these PCOD or the insulin resistance and later on developing into gestational diabetes. We actually have to counsel these girls right from the time we observe them developing PCOD because we know they'll get married, they'll have a child, and then they'll develop gestational diabetes, and then they'll have problems during these pregnancies. PCOD, if not treated properly, if the person is not counseled properly, it actually leads to so many number of complications. In a country yeah. where we are still educating a lot of women about basic menstrual hygiene still, how much of a challenge would it be to generate awareness and even acknowledge that PCOS can be an issue that needs to be medically treated? Acknowledging PCOS, I mean, it's actually overdiagnosed condition nowadays. I mean, radiologists will look at the ovaries, they'll say it's a PCOS. I mean, without knowing that she has symptoms or she doesn't have symptoms. The girls, they themselves diagnose as PCOS. They'll say, oh, I had irregular periods, and so therefore I have PCOS. So it's more of a overdiagnosed condition. Now the challenge is actually maintaining the awareness, generating the awareness. So over here, we have to explain them. See, these are the implications of the PCOS. It doesn't just end in the younger age group that having irregular periods or acne or facial hair is just not the cosmetic things that we are looking at, but the long-term implications like developing the cardiovascular disorders, having dyslipidemia, having diabetes later on, gestational diabetes. And again, it does not stop your obesity itself will lead to increased risk of spine cancer and the breast cancer. So patients of PCOS interestingly have a higher risk of developing uterine cancer. So therefore, making them aware of the long-term implications, generating that sort of an awareness, probably will actually make them feel more motivated towards maintaining their goals of maintaining their BMI. Right. So uh, tell me, why is PCOS treatment expensive? I mean, there is this perception that it's costly and which also deters, you know, women from going to, you know, hospitals for this symptom. So what do you have to say about that? This whole situation is the lifestyle management. Half of the problems are solved just with the lifestyle. If she loses weight, her periods also kind of become I mean, quite okay, if not really regular, but she starts having spontaneously her cycles, even if they're delayed by 
10, 15, 20 days. Now, the other thing is mainly the treatment, cosmetic treatment, you know, I mean, undergoing laser treatments. That's an expensive thing. The dermatological part, the manifestations, dermatological manifestations, that's a little expensive treatment. Managing just the weight and the insulin resistance, that part is not. Dr. Sonia, what would be your advice for women who are actually dealing with this constantly? See, over here, we just first have to really give up good emotional support. And we just have to explain them, see, one, this is a situation which can be easily managed. Purely half of the things are managed just for the lifestyle. But we have to keep encouraging that child for the lifestyle management. And drugs and all that are involved in the PCOS are one, to reduce insulin resistance. So she might be on one or two tablets, mainly just for insulin resistance management. And rest is the lifestyle management. So we have to keep explaining them. See, this condition can be easily managed. And if a young girl has PCOS, we should at least tell her so that it makes her feel happy that she has a good number of eggs. One good thing about PCOS is that she has a good number of follicles. If she plans pregnancy earlier years, like when she's in her 20s or so, then she has difficulty conceiving, but that's because of the hormone irregularity, which can be corrected easily by medicines. But if she plans a pregnancy around 35 or so, I mean, she doesn't have any problem conceiving because she has good number of eggs and now she doesn't have that hormonal irregularity, which she had it in her earlier years. Amongst the mothers of the PCOT patients is, oh, my daughter has PCOT, whether she'll be able to have a child or not, whether she'll have infertility. They are so concerned. They have just heard that now my child cannot have a normal conception. So I agree that some of the children, I mean, some of the girls will have problem conceiving, but by proper hormonal treatment or regulation, by giving them certain tablets to induce ovulation, they can conceive. Very, very small percentage of a severe PCOD patient will require IVF. Otherwise, they can just conceive with the management of the hormones. Despite the increase in patients, the push from the medical research fraternity is paltry. So one really has to take control of the syndrome to reduce the suffering, as Garima and Ananya reiterated. Go to your doctors early. That's definitely there. If you get diagnosed young, then by the time you reach the age where you want to conceive, like your fertility issues are a problem, your PCOS can be controlled. So early diagnosis is definitely good. I think it's extremely important for all of us women to figure out the symptoms we're going through. And I think if there is any hint of menstrual irregularities, if you're missing your periods, if they're prolonged and if it's just one cycle or, you know, it has happened multiple times, I think it's important to get these tests done, go to a doctor, get the diagnosis because it's always better to get tested sooner so that you can rule out the possibilities of any future comorbidities. And again, I'd, I'd like to say no two PCOS cases are alike. So it depends totally how the body is responding. Sometimes somebody would need a mix of medication and lifestyle changes. For some people, it will only lifestyle changes can work. My only advice to women out there will be that, you know, if you're facing any of 
these symptoms it is very important that you get yourself checked when it comes to female wellness and health we women only visit the gynac either when we are wanting to have babies or during menopause but that needs to change urgently just as one visits the dentist and the eye doctor to just make sure all is well it's time girls and women add the gynecologist into the mix of visits and while timely diagnosis lifestyle management and early detection of comorbidities are crucial so is medical research and generating awareness with government intervention dedicated funding and mass public campaigns and if india with a billion plus population can lead the world in fighting the pandemic and mass vaccinations surely it can play a bigger role in battling pcos we signing off on that note of positivity and hope but our focus on women will continue next week with a very special episode on women's day where my colleague kiran somvanshi catches up with india's first female forensic scientist so tune in on tuesday for that one you've been listening to pcos the epidemic that needs immediate attention on the morning brief and i'm your host ratna bhushan this episode was produced by sumit pandey sound editor rajesh naik executive producers anupriya nair anirban choudhury and arijit barman the morning brief is every tuesday thursday and friday do tune in to et play for all audio content including the morning brief you can listen to our podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead